dim the lights, for it is time for the $44 billion question on who wants to be a millionaire. Here's the question. Who is the real bloodsucker? Is it A, the legacy media, who has been gaslighting and controlling the masses across the globe for decades? Is it B, big government, the first and final authority when it comes to what you can and can't believe, your children, science? Because, well, they know what's best for you and they really know how you ought to spend your money. They ought to be the controllers of your finances. Is the real bloodsucker C, Elon Musk, the richest man in the world who made his billions by bringing massive innovation to all the masses and is now seeking to make the Twitter algorithm transparent, which is a very bad thing because the Twitter algorithm ought to be kept in the dark. After all, it is far too complex for us little people to understand. Or is it C, Megan Fox, who actually drinks blood? Hey, it's Lucas Scrobot, and you're listening to The Lucas Scrobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. It is episode 280, April 28th, 2022. Welcome to the show. Today, we're discussing who and what is the real bloodsucker in society uh, in the, the day that we live in, 2022. It can be hard at times to discern who really is sucking the blood out of society. Is it the, the rich megalomania billionaires? Should they, should they be stopped? Should we have a wealth tax? Should we start to redistribute the wealth? Take, you know, student debt, for instance. Should we cancel all student debt? Who's going to pay for that? Who has the student debt? How did student debt get accumulated? Should we tax the wealthy? And give to the poor or give to those who aren't wealthy? Because there's an underlying assumption, even in that statement, in that thought, that those who have wealth accumulated that wealth by unjust means. That they, they, their wealth has been, quote unquote, subsidized by the little people. That their wealth has been created through cheating someone else out of something. When, in fact... Wealth is created through adding value to society. So if I add value to society, if I create a world where it is a better place because of what I give, and I receive financial income from that, I have not cheated anyone out of anything. I have added. I have actually added more value than I got out of it. And that, that is not blood sucking at all. But according to the popular Marxist narratives that are floating around society today, uh, no thanks to big government, no thanks to big tech, no thanks to legacy media, we have been sold a narrative. We have been sold a story that it is 
inherently wrong and evil to have wealth, that billionaires should be stripped of their wealth because they didn't really earn it. And this is becoming the crux of the matter, the arguments that are being put forth by the progressive left as they are reeling out of control due to the fact that they have they're losing control over the media. They're losing control over the narrative because Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, has bought Twitter. They are they are reeling, grabbing, grasping, trying to find something to sway the public opinion on this matter. But the the truth of the matter is Elon Musk is not a racist. The truth of the matter is that Elon Musk, as we, we talked about all episode 279, the previous episode, playing clips from Elon saying, hey, I just want to come in and make the algorithm transparent. But instead, he is being portrayed and painted as a, a threat, the greatest threat to democracy. The greatest threat to democracy is Elon Musk. We have a number of clips today looking through the, the way at least MSNBC has been betraying this narrative, this situation, how it is and, and painting a picture that Elon is dangerous, out of control, that he is now the one person who's able to control everything and manipulate elections. It's quite ironic, really, when you, when you think of how Twitter has been acting over the last two, three years, even more, where they're blocking and taking down people who are stating biological facts, where they're degrading or shadow banning content that goes against their political point of view. And now the argument all of a sudden is, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to stop Elon because he could all of a sudden degrade, deplatform, or shadow ban people who are promoting things who are against his point of view, even though he's explicitly said, hey, I think we should open up the algorithm instead of it being a black, black box. And we talked about that all last week. Well, here's the first clip, Veritas News. Uh, actually received a leaked document, a leaked video from Twitter uh, just the other day on a, a, a conversation that they had concerning Elon's takeover of the company. Here is Twitter. There is almost no more contested oh, phrase in America than free speech. Actually, this, this first clip is by MSNBC talking about uh, how free speech is contested, but they, they make this very ironic argument. Here's the clip. There is almost no more contested phrase in America than free speech. In fact, freedom of speech has been, well, contested for millennia since the ancient Greeks first introduced the concept, at least in the Western canon, 2,500 years ago. And of course, the First Amendment to our Constitution protects freedom of speech, freedom of the press, and in practice, well, it gets pretty complicated. As legendary reporter A.J. Leidling wrote in The New Yorker 1960, quote, freedom of the press is guaranteed only to those who own one. Pretty smart thing to say. It carried on through the decades because we are now seeing that exact principle play out before us. 
this active desire to own a press, to control freedom of the press from some of the right, to control who gets to speak and how under the guise of free speech. That is what the celebration of billionaire Elon Musk buying Twitter is all about. That, that is. That is what the celebration of Elon Musk buying Twitter is about. I, would, I totally agree with Chris's point, this last point, that that is why the, the conservatives, that is why the, the right is celebrating. Now, do I think that Elon Musk is going to solve all the problems? No. Do I think that Elon Musk is a, going to be perfect in his execution of free speech? No. Do I hope and expect that he really will make the algorithm clear and transparent for all to see? And that at least will give a level playing field where people can criticize and know what is actually going on beneath the surface when it comes to people being shadow banned or people being deplatformed and changing some of these policies that are clearly ideological, especially when it comes to uh, pronouns, pronouns or gender. If, if, and still, even Babylon B to this day, they, their account has blocked because they will not retract the statement that a female who transitions to become a male is now a male. They're saying a man is a man, an XY will always be an XY, it will never be a woman, and an XX is always a woman and can never become a man. They will not resend that statement of calling a certain political figure who claims to be a woman, saying, no, you are a man. Biological, scientific fact. But now that's being labeled as bullying. That's being labeled as hate speech. That's being labeled as misinformation or disinformation. There is a, a real problem. There's a real problem when the rules of what should be a free speech platform are ideological. But what Chris says in the statement, I don't know if you caught it, what, what he says here is he, he plays this, this quote. Let's play this clip again. Here's there the is almost no more contested phrase in America than free speech. Fact, freedom of speech. Uh, little problem there. Apologize for that. But he, he says here that the only person that really has free speech is those who control the press. Now, there's a deep irony here because this is MSNBC who is controlling a press, who has a printing press, a, a media press of their own, saying that the only people that control freedom of speech is those who have a press. That's coming from someone who has a press. Is that not deeply, deeply ironic? Is it not deeply hypocritical saying, well, Elon Musk shouldn't have a press. The right shouldn't have a press. Only we on the left can have a press. It's just so hypocritical. It's just such a hypocritical statement to, to make. While at the same time, yes, that is absolutely true. That the reason that the right is in a celebration mode is because they feel like they have won a, a, a victory and they feel like they're going into halftime or they're going into the end of a quarter 
with a level of momentum on their side where they, they are finally feeling like they're pushing back and winning on some of these culture wars and ideological wars that are very destructive. Here is that, that clip from Twitter, a leaked clip, clip from Twitter from Veritas. Elon made it clear in public that a large part of the reason he bought the platform was because of our moderation policies and disagreements in how we deal with health. This puts Twitter service and trust and safety, as well as anybody who cares about health on the platform, in a very difficult position. That is absolutely why he bought the platform. That is why. He saw the fact that the Hunter Biden laptop story was totally shut down in silence, that actual news journalists, media sites were totally blocked on Instagram or on a, a t Twitter, excuse me, for sharing information that was called disinformation that totally swung, swung the entire 2020 election in America. And Elon pointed out that this is a problem, saying Hunter Biden laptop is, is all of a sudden shut down and banned is a problem. And it really is a problem. The clip goes on. I believe Twitter grows as a service, allows for more people to use the product and have a better experience because we're able to make the conversation on Twitter be safe, because we have built tools, processes for people to be able to feel safe and control their experiences. This And that statement right there made by the CEO of Twitter, that's the CEO of Twitter, saying people are using our product because we have created a conversation. We have created a safe space. Safe space is, safe spaces are not safe. Safe spaces control conversations, control speech, so that no one can be offended, so that you can't be offended. And if you can't be offended, it means someone else needs to be silenced. The sign of a, a healthy situation of freedom of speech is where people are offended. And we have a, a, a culture where it is okay to be offended. It is okay to offend someone and it is okay to be offended without retaliating in violence because there are cultures all across the globe. It doesn't, whether it's in America, Asia, Africa, there are cultures where if you are insulted or offended, you ought to respond with violence. That's the only way to save your honor is by responding with violence. But this creates situations and creates cultures where there's not freedom of speech and where there's not freedom of speech, there's not freedom of thought. This clip goes on for another 35 seconds. I believe that there is a lot of work we have to do to continue making that better. Sometimes that means more thoughtful moderation. Sometimes that means making things simpler. Sometimes that means changing product incentives to be able to solve problems through products sometimes instead of policies. More thoughtful moderation. This, this is a, it's not new. This is not new, something new coming from Twitter, but they, they are admitting that they are moderating the conversation. They are controlling the conversation. And what Elon Musk wants to do is open that up so we can see, so you can see 
what is being promoted and what is being demoted. We're here, here's another clip from MSNBC on, on just this, on what can be promoted and demoted and the risk, oh my, the risk that Elon Musk poses. What if he begins to change things? Here is MSNBC. You own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper. Did this not just, I I mean, did this not just happen in 2020 and 2021 where one candidate, uh, the president, sitting president of the United States was permanently deplatformed off Twitter and every other platform? Was this, was this not the case over the last number of years in the political sphere where one side was being turned down and one side was being turned up, where there was, without anyone knowing, without anyone being able to see? And this is exactly what Elon's saying, I want to do away with. But here is MSNBC making this argument as though right now it's a, a fair and just platform where everything's transparent, where everything's an evil, even playing field. But now what if Musk comes in and he begins to ma- manipulate the algorithm? It, it, is, it is just telling and ironic that the left is reacting. I mean, I'm not surprised, but they're reacting in such a way that exposes the very thing that they're doing. They're, they're blaming the other side. They're blaming Elon Musk of exactly what they have been doing for years. They're, he's blaming Elon Musk of manipulating and promoting certain ideologies, which the, these tech platforms have been doing for years. Even though Musk is saying in, coming in and saying, I want to do away with that to make it transparent. This is, by definition, this is propaganda. This clip right there is, by definition, propaganda. Well, Ari goes on to talk with Elizabeth Warren on what the real problem, what the real problem is concerning Elon Musk buying Twitter. You have warned about the growing power of big tech. Uh, What do you see in Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter? I see that we need to make two big changes. The first one is we need a wealth tax in America. And let's talk about how Elon's purchase here was subsidized by tens of millions of people who've paid their taxes every year. And the second part is we need rules of the road for big tech. But ultimately, what all this boils down to is power. Who's going to have the power in our country? Are we going to make these decisions as a democracy? Or is this going to be Elon Musk all by himself, off in a room, a bazillionaire who just plays by his own set of rules? That's really what's at stake here. First, yes, it is about power. But no one complained when 
well, the left didn't complain, at least, when Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post, the owner of Amazon, buying a media journalistic outlet. Is that not, is that not an equivalence? Also, is not the, the ruling elite, and it's not even elected officials who are making the rules on these platforms. It is the tech industry who has been making the rules, and that is, by and large, like 90 to 10, 90 percent plus of the tech industry leans far left, leans to the left. Very few represent a conservative constituent. So she's right. It is about power. But the, the issue here is that the left is losing power. And they know that they are losing the stranglehold on the conversation because they're no longer going to be able to control that said conversation, which is why they're, they're are starting to and are going to continue to push for things like misinformation and disinformation so that they can control freedom of speech, not through the tech platforms, but through government apparatus. Another thing that she says here is there needs to be a wealth tax. She accuses Elon Musk of creating his wealth by subsidies of other people. Now, I've, I've heard this argument a couple times over the last week, which is Elon Musk created his wealth in America because there was a system that was put in place to enable him to be an entrepreneur in America. The argument was that he wouldn't have been able to create this system and create Tesla and create SpaceX in other countries across the world, many other countries across the world, that there wasn't a, a, a culture of entrepreneurship or freedom that would enable him to do this. And I can agree with that. And this is the argument that Elizabeth is making. She's saying the reason he was able to create his wealth was because of a democratic system, a republic system that enables entrepreneurs to be entrepreneurs to innovate. That's true. Small businesses and big businesses businesses, innovative businesses are able to thrive in America because of the legal structures that are put in place to give them that level of freedom. Where this then goes wrong is then her claiming that he has been subsidized by taxpayers, that he made his billions because other people who bought his products and bought his stock gave him money, and he didn't earn it. But if I make a bunch of pencils, and I sell those pencils for $1 each, I sell a million pencils for $1, but every person that buys that pencil feels like it's worth $1.25, $1.50. So I've created $1.5 million of worth, and I received a million dollars. That was not subsidized. You buying a Tesla is not you subsidizing Tesla or Elon Musk. That is Elon delivering a value to you. He created value. And so he does not need to be 
taxed extra and above a wealth tax because that's what they want to create. They, they want to tax unrealized gains, saying because you are worth a certain amount of money, we want to tax you just because you're wealthy in a way that is more than taxing the average person, a higher percentage. And it's all framed under this argument, this false argument, that he is being subsidized by the American public, when really he has added value and added, has added more value to America and those people who use his products than he has gotten out of it. It's just so happened that he's been very good at building and delivering value to the people across the globe. Here's the next clip by Elizabeth. Elon Musk decide all the rules by himself in a dark room, or is it going to be the case that we're going to decide this as a country? We're going to make rules in a democracy. And let me just give you an idea behind one of them. These big platforms create what are known as platform effects that just lock people in. So if I want to use my telephone, I can call you, I can call somebody else, regardless of what telephone company they use. Not so with a platform like Twitter. The only way that I can communicate with all kinds of people that I communicate with right now is I have to be on Twitter and run that communication through Twitter. Same for people who want to communicate with me. And that's true multiplied millions of times across that platform. So one of the things we need is we need rules so that you can leave the Twitter platform and go to a competitor's platform and still be able to reach each other. Um, pause this right here. She, she has points that we have even talked about on the show, that when you are locking into a platform, there is something called a platform effect, where when I build an audience on Instagram, on Twitter, I don't own that audience. Twitter owns that audience. I'm building it on, I'm building my audience and my content on someone else's platform. I am not able to leave Twitter and take all the email addresses of everyone who is following me and being able to contact them somewhere else. I could get everyone's email addresses. I could reach out to all my followers and have them sign up on my email address. And then I would have a way to contact them on a platform that is not on Twitter or not on Facebook or not on Instagram. But that is the way that these platforms work. And maybe she doesn't understand that. Is it, it doesn't make it right or wrong. It just makes it the nature of the platform. And if you choose to build on a centralized platform, then the, the, you have to live with the consequences of a centralized platform. Another thing that is not true of what she's saying, she's saying, well, she has no way to communicate to these people outside of that platform, which is not true. You can get their email addresses. If, if you want to talk to Sandy, you can DM Sandy and say, what is your email address? And she can give it to you and you can now communicate with her if you so choose. So there are ways. They're just not easy ways. What she is demanding, and I don't know how this would in a practical world happen, demanding that you would be able to take your list with you. That if you wanted to leave the Twitter 
and the uh, the audience that you've built on Twitter and you wanted to bring that audience to a new platform that you should be able to. And this, I guess, I suppose could be done if you say that you own your list, but the way that it's set up right now is that you don't own your list, which is one reason that I love broad and decentralized platforms like podcasts, where I'm able to own the list, where there's not something mediating or email it, email list, where there's not something that's mediating between you and your audience. You own the email addresses. You own the phone numbers. So it's not com- completely true that you're locked in. Clip continues. You have rules like that, then you actually have some competition. And once you've got some competition, then we can start making decisions. Maybe I would like to go to a website that offers more privacy or one that has moderated content. Maybe I don't want to hear some of that stuff, but I can get that if we've got a competitive industry. Right now, what we've got in tech is we don't have that kind of competition. Rules of the road could help facilitate that kind of competition and, frankly, break the stranglehold of someone like Elon Musk coming in and just owning the whole thing. This is deeply ironic, again, because they have had that stranglehold for years. And before, when Parler was getting kicked off of every platform, Apple, the Play Store, everywhere, they said, well, You're free to go build it elsewhere. You just can't build it with us. You're free to do your thing somewhere else, but you just can't be on the Apple store. We're going to control everything. And here she's saying, oh, we need a place where if you want to, if everyone should be able to thrive and there should be competition. Whereas before, just two short years ago, it was, no, there, there shouldn't be able to be competition. And if you don't like being on Twitter, if you don't like the rules of Twitter, well, it's a private company, you can go and build your platform any, somewhere else. You can go and find your audience somewhere else. But now that it would seem very hopeful that Musk is going to change the rules of the game to something that's actually equivocal, that's actually fair, now it's, oh no, we need to be able to, we need to break these guys up. Whereas before, They were the best friends and they were being protected. Here's the last clip by Elizabeth. Do you agree with that view? Do you think it is clear that Elon Musk will be pro-conservatives or Republican Party in the United States? Or do you think that's a misreading of him? You know, for me, that's frankly not the most interesting question. I mean, it's, it's he could be one way or the other and it would still be wrong. I. I like Elizabeth, Senator Elizabeth Warren. I like that statement. I like what you're saying there, that you could be one way or the other. You could be censoring one side or censoring the other side, and that is wrong. It is wrong to use ideology and a political lens to control the conversation, to control what can or can't be said on a platform That is not a publishing platform that is protected by Section 230, which says it is a bulletin board, just like on the telephone, the telephone company is not controlling the conversation that I'm able to have with someone else on the other end of the line. And this is how it should be. This is how these platforms should be. They should be open and free and clear platforms of communication, but instead they're acting as moderators, as she has said multiple times in these clips, 
and they're controlling, moderating this, this, the conversation, which then puts them as a publisher, not a utility. And if they're to be a utility, then there should be truly freedom, uh, freedom of speech on these platforms, because we have to be able to speak freely if we're going to think freely, if we are going to believe freely. And if you don't have freedom of speech, you're not going to be able to have freedom of belief. This clip uh, goes on. I, I agree with this, Senator Warren. I agree. Any side doing this is wrong. And that is why Musk coming in is actually a positive thing because he's going to make it transparent so we can see if one side or the other is doing it. The problem is one of power and concentrated right. power. It's this is where the argument falls apart because now she's saying, well, Musk has too much concentrated power, whereas before it was OK for someone to have concentrated power. It's about one person making all of the decisions about how tens of millions of people will have an opportunity to communicate with each other. That's where the problem is. The majority of media companies in America is owned by a small number of corporations. I think it's real clear media owns majority of the U.S. news corporations. Is that not concentrated power? Is that not a controlling of the freedom of the press? The, the problem is that Musk is not part of the establishment and he refuses to play by the rules of the establishment, which is just what President Donald Trump did. Despite all of his flaws, despite his moral shortcomings, despite me wishing that he would just not tweet sometimes, not talk sometimes, or to, to think before he speaks. He was not part of the establishment. He didn't go along with the game. And that is why he was hated. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. In a post-truth society, we have exchanged truth for lies and reason for postmodern irrationality. The absurd finally makes sense. Well, as we said in today's intro, asking who is the real bloodsucker? Is it, is it big government who wants to strip, strip wealth away from business owners who added value and wealth to nations, countries, and economies who want to control the way that people spend their money, want to control the way and the ways that people can and can't talk, wants to control uh, the way that families raise their kids. Is big government the bloodsucker? Is legacy media the bloodsucker who's been manipulating the way that people think for years? Is Elon Musk the bloodsucker who's made his millions and billions by oppressing the little guys? There's plenty of arguments. There's plenty of posts and articles out there, lawsuits against Musk. I don't think he's perfect. I, I, I do agree 
with some of my progressive friends that, yeah, I don't think that he has the most perfect free speech track record. But I do hope that he will make something that is at least more transparent for all of us. Or is the real bloodsucker <laughs> Megan Fox? If you don't know who Megan Fox is, she's a TV celebrity with 20 million followers on her Instagram page, which is pretty much a, a soft core porn magazine uh, right there on Instagram. Well, Megan Fox is trending again because of some of these outrageous clips of her on uh, Glamour magazine. This interview is just unbelievable. Here's Megan Fox. To drink each other's blood might mislead people or like people are imagining us with like goblets and we're like Game of Thrones drinking each other's blood. It's just a few drops. But yes, we do consume each other's blood on occasion for ritual purposes only. <laughs> it is used for a reason and it is controlled where it's like, let's shed a few drops of blood and each drink it. He's much more haphazard and hectic and chaotic where he's willing to just like cut his chest open with broken glass and be like, take my soul. Let me bleed on you. <laughs> it doesn't not happen, let me tell you. Maybe not exactly like that, but it a version of that has happened many times. Wow. Wow. So here's a real bloodsucker. You know, I guess Alex Jones was right, talking about how there's this under underculture of of satanic, demonic activity of ceremonies and rituals where people are drinking blood and we were said oh no that's just conspiracy theory well, apparently it's not it's definitely not conspiracy theory but this is this is what is being celebrated in the media this is what is being celebrated in in the hippest teen glamour celebrity hollywood spaces Demonic spiritual rituals that involve cutting and drinking of people's blood. If that's not the occult, then I don't know what is. And it for sure is the occult. And this is this is one of the, the problems, or one a warning sign that is happening across the, the globe where we have, we have dismissed the notion of a higher power, a higher morality, uh, an, an ultimate creator God. And we have adopted science. But with the adoption of science has merged in this cosmic belief where it's not just, it's not just materialism, but it's cosmic humanism where there's this belief that there, there is a spirit realm, there are trans-dimensional beings, and we should engage with them. There's not a, an absolute morality that exists outside of that, but there is just the energy of the universe. There's good and, and bad energies, positive and negative energies, and we need to assimilate ourselves into these energy fields and through these, these deeply spiritual rituals, which they are deeply spiritual, we can access power. And you can. You can access power, but it does come with a cost. It does come with a cost. And 
Here is another clip by Megan Fox from the same interview with Glamour talking about how she needed an injection of God into her relationship. And when she means God, she means mother nature. She means the universe. She means uh, animism and occultic rituals and ceremonies. Here is Megan Fox again. I had gotten to a point where I was like, we need an adrenaline injection of God in this relationship. And so we went to Costa Rica and we had Peruvian shamans who administered the ayahuasca. And um, we- The ayahuasca is a uh, occult ceremony where you essentially you drink this potion, which is DMT, which opens up your spirit eyes and your spirit realm, you up to the spirit realm, and you have uh, spiritual encounters, uh, activity happens, you, you fall into trances and visions, and it's real. And many people who, the testimonies and accounts that I've heard who go through ayahuasca, many people at the same time are seeing the same spiritual experience. They're, they're seeing a portal open and elves are coming out of this portal. Transdimensional beings are coming and talking with them. This is a, a well-known thing within the occult and it is growing in pop culture and it's being celebrated just like here in pop culture. 20 million people follow, if not more, follow, listen, and are melding this into their worldview that there is a spiritual realm that you can control and manipulate through things like demonic ceremonies of drinking blood and going on on ayahuasca uh, trips to have these encounters with the spiritual realm, with the occultic realm. We each went in with different questions that we wanted the medicine to answer for us. And it was in incredibly intense. Um, the whole experience, like the fasting leading up to it, um, the diet changes, the you, you're not allowed to drink water after 5 p.m., you are in the middle of the jungle. And I had my questions and my goals, and then he went and he sat to be given his ayahuasca, and everybody else was being given one glass of ayahuasca because it was our first night. And the shaman says something in, in her native language, and then the interpreter is like, we need to give you three doses because you have such a dark, sad, spirit standing behind you, like an actual like demonic spirit hovering over him. I, I find it so interesting that the majority of the world, there are, some, there are some people who don't, who really do believe that we're nothing but atoms. There's no such thing as a spiritual realm. There's no such thing as spirits or jinn or demons or uh, powers or principalities. That, that we really were just evolved out of apes and monkeys and came up out of the marsupial swamps of prehistoric times. But the majority of people actually believe in what Megan Fox is saying. They actually believe and have, have had encounters with spirits, with demons, with orbs. And... And there seems to be a, a conflict in worldview, because at the same time that we believe in that supernatural existence, we try to hold on to the scientism. 
And this is where the world has been heading for, for millennial. This is, again, it's not new. But this is what is being promoted. Instead of wholesome morality in media, in big tech, what is being promoted is the degeneration of Judeo-Christian moral values. Megan goes on in this interview to talk about her kids and their, their gender identity issues and how she encourages their gender identity issues. This is what's being wrapped up and packaged and being consumed by the youth. And it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what nation you are in. These ideas are being assimilated into the minds of this generation because of media. Because of media. And we have a responsibility as parents to make sure that our kids are not being inundated with this media, that we are being watchful of the things that they consume, and us as well. We need to be careful as individuals of what media sources and what spiritual sources we are opening ourselves up to. Because when we're opening ourselves up to spiritual forces, spiritual encounters, they're not all equal. In fact, it really matters on what source you are channeling this power through and from. The sources that you open up, their doors that you open up and avenues into your life. And if you're opening up yourself to encounters like Megan Fox of, uh, of cultic ceremonies and Ouija boards and tarot card readings and uh, Hiawasta, you're opening yourself up to dark forces just like just like her husband, boyfriend, had a dark demonic spirit over him. It's because there are open doors giving access to those parts in their life. So we need to be careful about what doors we are opening, what ideologies, what ideas we are adopting, because those ideas build strongholds in our mind, in our life, and they open doors to oppression, to physical sickness, to emotional sickness, to, to dark activities in our life. And I don't think anyone, anyone wants that. And that is oftentimes why people turn to the occult to try to free themselves from it, but it only, it only further entraps them. Well, this show is brought to you by listeners like you. This is a value for value podcast. We don't have big advertisers on the show. Rather, if you get value out of this podcast, we ask that you would give value back to the show. One of the ways that you can do that is by visiting lucasgrobot.com backslash support, where you can give back financial value in a fiat currency back to the show in the value that you feel like you received from it, whether that's $4 a month, a dollar per episode a month that you feel like you get out of the show, or if it's $100 a month, that is up to you. We don't put a dollar number on it, but we do ask that you would give value back to the show because that not only encourages us to continue on this, uh, on this work of creating content, but it also enables us to do more. Don't go away. We'll be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. 
Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, a part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can own our future and weave our destiny. Today's quote is from none other but Jesus Christ. He says, For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is a, a powerful and profound statement. A lot of people in the Marxist progressive ideology like to argue that Jesus is a socialist, that Jesus is a Marxist, that Jesus is pro-redistribution of wealth, when really he was not. He said that for every person who has, more will be given to him or her. And that person will have an abundance. But for the person who does not have, even that which they think they have will be taken away. And this is a truism across nature. It is the top 1% that has the majority of the resources or wealth. It's the top, the top 20% of peas. This is Prato's uh, theory of the 80-20 rule. The top 20% of his peas produced 80% of his crop. The top 5% of uh, people in France owned 90% of the property. And this is true across many different domains of society. And it is something that occurs naturally in nature. And the reason that we, I bring this up as today's closing, closing segment is because that is really the argument that is being made against Elon Musk purchasing Twitter. It's an argument that is being made against capitalism that's being presented for being pro-socialism or Marxism, which is really the arguments that we are push, pushing against in this show because they are so prevalent across the world. They are prevalent across the Middle East. They are prevalent across Europe, Asia, Africa, and the West in America. These ideas that we need to redistribute wealth. We didn't talk about it, but there's a, a new push for the, the canceling of student debt, which it's wrong on so many levels that someone else should, that taxpayers should pay your debt for something that you signed and agreed upon. I don't think that college is actually a, a good choice for many people. I think that college loans that you're unable to default on, I, I don't think that is a wise or just thing for the government and the educational system to burden on people. The education system, the college system, is a, a, a tool of indoctrination to make everyone come out looking the same rather than a method of innovation which, which brings society forward. So uh, it's not that I'm pro. I, I personally went to university, but it's not that I think everyone should go to university. But if you choose to go to university, you're choosing to take on that debt. And th then the argument gets even more convoluted when the left is pushing for the, the doing away 
with college debt, with making college free. Why would they want to make college free? Because it is a place of indoctrination. They have the stronghold on universities where 20 to 1 in many universities, especially in the liberal arts, lean left and progressive because they have done a great job in taking over those institutions. So you want people to go to those institutions if you're on the progressive left because they'll come out thinking like you. If they come out thinking like you, they'll come out voting like you or voting for you. But it's ironic that you'd want to cancel student loans and student debt when those are the people who are probably the higher or highest earners in the country of America. And that bill is going to be footed by who? By Mostly by people who didn't go and get college debt, who are probably making less money. So you want the poor to pay for the richest debt, which they took on. This idea of redistribution of wealth, this idea of, the, uh, of a ta- wealth tax, this idea that we should take from those who have and give to those who have not, not by their own free volition or free will, but by force. That is a, a violation of rights. That is a overstep of, uh, of government's bounds and uh, authority. I do believe that there should be some sort of tax. That I, I do believe that the state and the government plays a very specific and needed God-given role in society. But I do not believe that that role is to take from the wealthy and redistribute to the poor. Because one, that's not done very efficiently through a bureaucratic system. And two, it breeds room for further corruption. And three, it will destroy the very systems that they say enabled people like Elon Musk to build his wealth. Well, that is all for today's show. Thank you for listening. If you want to get more from this show, you can do so by sharing it with a friend. Because when you share it with a friend, they feel loved and you get to have a great conversation with them. So please share this show. And if you have any questions, you can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero. Go out this week and own your future.